0: Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython weekly meeting for January 11th, 2021. (laughs) My name is Scott and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed for microcontrollers, which are little tiny inexpensive computers that are very prevalent in the wide, wide world. Uh, They're a great way to learn uh, about how computers work and also use them to do projects to make things do what you want. Um, Adafruit is an open source hardware and software company based out of New York. Uh, they support a number of us who work on CircuitPython. So if you want to support, uh, folks who are paid to work on CircuitPython, please support Adafruit by going to adafruit.com and purchasing hardware. Um, this meeting is our regular community meeting that happens every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server. But you're welcome to join by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we're there all week, but uh, at this time of the week we're in the CircuitPython voice channel. Uh, everybody's welcome to listen in as we uh, as we record the meeting. Uh, if you want to participate, please make sure that you are also in the CircuitPythonistas Discord role that will allow you to speak in the channel. Um, so let us know that. Um, <clears throat> there is a uh, A holiday next week so next week's meeting will actually be on tuesday so be aware of that uh we we tend to either cancel or move the meeting if there's a u.s holiday on monday Uh, there is a calendar available that you can subscribe to to see uh, when the meetings are moved so uh hopefully jeff is typing that in right now um thank you jeff uh this meeting is recorded, so heads up uh, that if you do want to participate, that your voice will be recorded from the voice channel. Uh, we're also recording the text channel uh, to go along with the meeting, so just uh, beware that that's happening. Um, we record it so that folks who cannot make the meeting can listen to it after the fact. Um, we post the video of this meeting on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com Adafruit. And it also goes out as an audio-only podcast on a number of podcast feeds. Um, there's a note stock to accompany the meeting. So if you uh, don't want to listen to it, it tends to be an hour to an hour and a half long. Um, you can check out the note stock. There's time codes in there that allow you to skip through the meeting to the parts that you're interested in. Um, if you aren't able to make the meeting as well, you can put notes in the note stock prior to the meeting and I will read them off, um, Just let me know. And even if you're listening, uh, but you do not want to participate, you can let us know you're lurking, and I will read stuff off for you or just skip you. Uh, So that's that. Uh, This meeting is held in five parts. The first part is community news, uh, which is kind of all the things around the Internet, around CircuitPython, MicroPython, and Python in general. The second part is the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. This is a statistical overview of uh, the health of those the project as a whole, and the subparts of the project uh, meant to ground us in. uh... (laughs) David G. points out, prior to the meeting means you can still finish your notes while the meeting is started. True. Um, So the third part of the meeting is hug reports, which is a chance for us to highlight the folks who have been doing awesome work within the, the community at large. Uh, it's a great way to, uh, reinforce the things that we value as a community and also just give, uh, credit to people who are being awesome. Um, that is done as a round robin. So I will start and go through the list of the folks in the meeting. Um, again, if you are not speaking, just let us know you're lurking so that I don't like call on you and then wait for you to, to say something that you're not going to say. Uh, but you could also say you're lurking and put notes in the notes doc and I'll read those off as well. Um, the fourth part is status updates, and this hap- this works uh, just the same way as Hug Reports, except we want to hear uh, what you're working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Uh, it's a great way for us to stay in sync and, and uh, give tips or tricks. Uh, f- if somebody's working on something that you've done in the past, it's a good way to uh, help them get over some stuff uh, if they're having trouble. And the last part is uh, the in the weeds section, which is kind of a free-for-all for uh, what's going on in uh, any questions that people have about CircuitPython and development uh, or things that we want to discuss. Uh, the In the Weeds section is there at the end uh, in case we have long discussions that we're going to have. So that's, uh, that's uh, what In the Weeds is. If you have a topic for In the Weeds, please drop in the Notes doc, uh your username or name and uh, a brief summary of what you want to talk about, and then I will call on you and give you a chance to introduce the topic. Um, and that's it. Um, that's where we're at. I will take a time code and we'll get the, the meeting started. So the first section here is community news. The first community news is that CircuitPython 6.0, 1, 6.1.0 RC0 is out now, uh, thanks to Dan. Um, this includes a number of fixes and enhancements, including a fix... Initialization fix for onboard NeoPixels, uh, update Microlab to 1.6.0, and fixes handling of zero brightness and pixel buff. Um, so that's good. Somebody just changed these notes. Maybe I had the wrong stuff in there. Um, second, uh, up for. Sorry, taking the time code, and my brain can't take a time code and, and talk at the same time. Uh, second up, we have CircuitPython Blinka for single board computers is now explained. Uh, the CircuitPython.org website has been updated to include an explanation of what the Blinka layer for single board computers is. It says, Blinka brings CircuitPython APIs, and therefore CircuitPython libraries, to single board computers. It is a pip installable Python library that runs in normal desktop Python, in quotes. Uh, the CircuitPython runtime isn't used. The CircuitPython libraries can also be installed via pip. See the guide for further details. Uh, This is something we wanted to add to just uh, clarify that CircuitPython itself is not running on single-board computers because at some point, we do actually want to do that. Um, Next up, CircuitPython 2021 entries are coming in. Uh, The CircuitPython development team is excited uh, at all of the feedback posted as part of the CircuitPython 2021 campaign. They want to hear from you what uh, you believe is important to you now and going forward using Python on hardware. Read the latest uh, on the Adafruit blog, and also there's a link to the kickoff post as well. Uh, Last up, uh, just a heads up that uh, Python 3.8.7 has been released. Um, This is the latest stable. Uh, It is the seventh maintenance release of Python 3.8, and it does not work on Big Sur, so heads up with that. And as always, uh, the Cir- CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a CircuitPython community-run newsletter emailed every Tuesday morning. This, uh, these articles have just been a preview of what is in the, in the <laughs> newsletter. Uh, the complete archives are available at adafruitdaily.com category CircuitPython. It highlights the latest Python and hardware-related news from around the web, including CircuitPython, Python, and MicroPython developments. Uh, To contribute your own news or project, uh, edit next week draft on GitHub uh, with a link there. Uh, Submit a pull request with the the changes. You may also tag at Engineer on Twitter or email anb at Adafruit.com. That's A-N-N-E underscore engineer on Twitter and A-N-N-E-B at Adafruit.com. And with that, we'll go to the next section here. And thank you for posting all the links and putting all that together. Um, next up, we have the state of CircuitPython Libraries in Blinka. As I said earlier, this is a statistics view of the health of the project. This ground, is meant to ground us in the reality of how things are going. Um, if you have ideas for stats that we don't have here, we'd love to hear them. Uh, we, should, we should be willing to evolve these as, as, things are, as the project grows. Okay, so uh, stats overall. We had 23 poll requests merged from 19 authors which is uh, still amazing to me. So thank you, everyone. Uh, I'll try to read off some of these names that I don't recognize just to, to give a little bit more uh, credit to the folks who are new. Uh, but I, this first one, I'm not exactly sure. It must be Agar the Tiger, uh, TWA127, M-Stack, uh, Flavio Fernandez... Uh, Coding Bandit, Wizard Tim, Funk Finger, Aideenzen, <laughs> Alex Whittemore, Afcom, uh, and those are the new folks I see in this list. We had nine reviewers, so thank you to all of our reviewers. You make it possible for all of our new authors, so we really appreciate it. As always, we are looking for more, more reviewers, so uh, if you like... Uh, seeing some code and testing it out on hardware, that's one of the, the most helpful things reviewers could do. But if you also just want to take a look at code and make sure that it kind of makes sense, uh, reviewers are always encouraged. Uh, we're always looking for more reviewers because the more reviewers we ca- can have, the more authors we can have, and the more authors we can have, more users with all the different types of sensors and things we can have and maintain. So uh, that's that's the reason. Um, issues-wise, we had 21 closed issues by 8 people and 17 open by 17 people, so lots of people involved, which is, again, really good, and uh, we're net down, so thank you to everyone who's helping us stay ahead of the game. Okay, uh, next up, we are on the core. Uh, on the core, we had one pull request merged from one author with one reviewer, Uh, We have 29 open pull requests, which is uh, definitely uh, reaching kind of our our maximum, but I think we'll be able to get through a lot of these. Um, There's four that are over 100 days old. There are like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that are uh, over 10 days old and the rest are under a week old. So we're just... uh, generating lots of prs and i have a feeling that um a number of those are from dan who's been just bug hunting like uh like crazy so uh we should be able to get this number down is my point uh issues wise we had four closed issues by two people and four open by four people so we're net even which is good although i suspect we'll close a number with those uh pull requests as well Um, we have 369 open issues, which you can find by going to github.com slash Adafruit slash CircuitPython slash issues. Uh, we track how well we're doing with triaging issues by milestones. Uh, we have, uh, one issue not assigned to milestones. So we're really, uh, quite caught up, which is really good. And, uh, we have two open issues on the 60X and three open issues for 610. So those are kind of like the most urgent ones. Um, So yeah, overall doing pretty well Uh, Over on the core Overall on the core A lot of the work has been uh, bug hunting So thank you to Dan and Jeff For that Um, TCP server has been going well So higher effect has been doing that as well Um, So expect to see An RC1 this week uh, With all of these really good fixes And let's uh, hand it over To Katni for the libraries Thanks Scott Mm -hmm.
1: So this applies to all of the Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore libraries, uh, as well as some extras such as Cookie Cutter and the Community Bundle. Um, We had 19 pull requests merged by 17 authors. Most of the names you called off earlier, Scott, are in this list as well, which is excellent. So thank you to all of our new contributors and nine reviewers. Um, Two of the pull requests that we merged were over a month old, which is excellent to see that we're getting through some of the um, older PRs. And it leaves us with 43 open pull requests, which is a little bit higher than it has been in the last few weeks, but um, that also means a lot of those are recent. So I'm sure we will be able to get through those quickly. We had 15 closed issues by 7 people and 10 opened by 10 people, leaving us with 265 open issues across all of the library repos. Um, eight of those are labeled good first issue. If you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython on the Python side of things, um, you can check out circuitpython.org slash contributing, where you will find a list of open pull requests, a list of open issues, uh, a list of library infrastructure issues, and a link to how to contribute to uh, translating CircuitPython. Um, all of these are ways for you to contribute to the project. Uh, If you want to search the issues and you're new to everything, good first issues are an excellent place to start. If you're looking for something a little more complicated, you can search bug or enhancement. And um, we have a guide on contributing to CircuitPython using Git and GitHub. If you're new to that, don't let that stop you. And we are always available to answer questions. So um, if you feel intimidated by the process, we're available to help you get through those initial, um, you know, learning bumps and hurdles and, uh, get you on your way, because we want you to be able to contribute to this project in whatever way works best for you. Um, in terms of library updates in the last week, we had one new library, uh, Adafruit CircuitPython OAuth 2, and a number of updated libraries that I won't read off. Um, that information is available on circuitpython.org slash libraries if you scroll down to the bottom. Um, there's always a rolling list of updated, new and updated libraries available. Um, overall, uh, I started a library. PR sweep uh, last week, which is on hold at the moment, but tagged some people on a few um, older PRs and uh, folks have stepped up and either um, finished up some stuff that needed to be finished up or posted an update, um, that sort of thing. So if you had an older PR and you're still waiting on something, feel free to tag whoever's involved. Um, That's the case actually ever. Uh, If it's been more than 24 to 48 hours and uh, it's been business days um, and you haven't received a reply on a PR, feel free to um, tag again so that it doesn't get lost Um, and we will get to that as soon as we can. Um, So thanks everybody who's been contributing to the libraries and uh, that's what I've got.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. Next up, we have an update on Blinka from Melissa. Melissa, are you available?
2: I am. I couldn't find the mute button. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Okay. uh, So Blinka is our, our, yeah, Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers, as well as MicroPython. And uh, I'm in the wrong section. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This week we had uh, three pull requests merged by two authors and two reviewers. There are now two open pull requests among the different uh, Blink-related repositories. Uh, There were two closed issues by one person and uh, three open by three people, leaving a net of 50 open issues. Uh, We had 1,507 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we currently support 60 boards. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, next up we have Hug Reports. This is the section where we take some time to thank the folks uh, around our community for doing really awesome work. Uh, it's done as around robin, so I will start and we'll go through the list of the folks in the voice chat. Uh, with We'll intermingle folks who are in the notes uh, as well. So basically alphabetically by username. Uh, follow along in the notes if you're in the meeting itself. Uh, if you're in the voice channel but don't plan on speaking up, please make sure you're marked as lurking in the notes doc. Um, if you do not want to speak, but you have notes that you'd like me to read off, feel free to drop them in there uh, Also say that you're lurking, but I will read them off And uh, with that, let me get started I'll scroll down to myself here So, uh, hug report to, I think it's Chowcat, but I, I don't know There's a bug fix PR uh, that they sent out that I uh, just wanted to say thank you for Uh, Thank you to FoamyGuy for helping with MessagePack. And lastly, thank you to the folks who have posted their CircuitPython 2021 stuff. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to see it coming in. I have a couple in my email box that I haven't read yet, uh, so I'm excited to read those. Uh, And that's it for my Hug Reports. Let's go to TG Techie. Um, Hello,
3: everyone. I have three hug reports. One for uh, Joey on Discord. Uh, he, he or she pointed out a, uh, I was using an out-of-date compiler at 11 at night. Uh, sorry, no, one at night. <laughs> and also I owe Maker Melissa a retroactive hug. Thank you for adding the description of the TG Watch to the CirclePython website. And uh, to Dan for promptly answering an in the weeds question in the docs for this meeting uh, before the meeting started.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, TG Techie. Uh, Next up, we have... uh, There's some notes from Mr. Certainly here that are definitely out of order. So I will skip those and we can reorder
4: those. So let's go to V923Z. Uh, Thanks, Scott. So since I haven't really interacted with anyone in the past couple of weeks, I, I would just like to... Uh, embrace the whole community, Uh, it's always a reinvigorating experience to come back. Awesome.
0: Thank you, V923Z. All right. Anic data is lurking. I believe Anne is lurking as well. So let's go to Carter. Carter's looking, so I'll read it off. Uh, Carter says, hug reports to Dan H. and Tandu for helping me, me get set up for the ESP32S2 firmware building. And next up we have notes from C. Grover, who says, huge hug to Katni for the excellent help with my git slash black educational opportunity. Uh, Katni's git learning guide well, guides were exceptionally resourceful tools as well. This old dog might be able to perform a new trick now. Uh, hug reports Dan H for quickly fixing the sporadic time.sleep issue uh, to Adafruit for again showing heartfelt leadership by supporting online vaccine help for family members and uh, group hug, group hug, group hug uh, no worries uh, next up we have notes from Charles Burniford who says uh, I should take a time code <laughs> it says group hug to all uh, next up we have Dan H
5: hello Okay, a lot of things this week. Thanks to TAC, who helped me uh, debug and propose some fixes for some tiny USB buffer overflows. Not overwrites, so I'll fix that. And um, there are PRs in process for that. Thanks to Cat equals good, uh, Kevin Walters, uh, David Gloud, and Anecdata for testing things. Uh, testing the six point one point zero releases RC zero and before, which found a number of regressions, which I've been working to fix. Thanks to Dave Putz Cedar Grove Studios, other guy, and C Fred eighty six for testing in particular some time dot sleep bugs. There were a set of bugs, and I'll talk about those in the status. Um, thanks to Unexpected Maker, who noticed um, like last night, I guess uh, that. Um, Power consumption uh, was increasing after some additions to uh, the alarm, specifically touch alarm and maybe pen alarm. So uh, we looked at looked at that, and as a result of that, uh, thanks to MicroDev1, who did a quick fix in the past few hours to improve touch alarm power consumption when it wasn't in use.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. All right, next up we have... Uh, notes from David Gloud, who says, uh, Hug Report to Dan H for Sunday reaction on two issues. BLE was duplicate. And analog I.O. fixed very quickly. Hug Report to Tandy for the basic Python demo. Hug Report to Dishipu for sharing uh, Display I.O. Tetris with me and also for the CircuitPython 2021. Hug Report to Effect for the server network API. I wish I could find time to test. A hug report to all those trying to fix and or understand the ESP32 S2 analog in range uh, and including KJK for continuing to progress on Feather and Plus this time on the ESP32 S2. And with that, we ha- are going to hand it over to Foamy Guy.
6: Scott, um, this week I got a hug report for maker Melissa for continuing to work on the portal base uh, refactoring and the other libraries that go along with it. Um, hug report for IoT forty nine for all their work on the message pack uh, module PR. Um, looking forward to uh, using that coming up pretty soon. And uh, to Gambler um, shared a three D printed little adapter piece to connect RGB matrices together. Um, so thank you there. And then also just a group hug for everybody.
0: Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, foamy guy. And I just want to say that Jeff uh, points out that the KJK in the notes might have actually been KJW. So preemptive hug report to KJW for uh, participating in our issue stuff, too. Uh, and with that, let's hand it over to Hirefax.
7: Uh Big thanks to uh, Jeff for a discussion that we had last week. Um, and a thank you to everybody who's working on the analog uh, stuff for ESP32 and a uh, group hug.
0: Thank you, Hirefax. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hugo and Jason are lurking, so we're going to go to Jeff.
8: Hello. Uh, first, I want to thank FoamyGuy. I did some work on fonts a number of weeks ago and then left it to languish. and he picked it up and finished it off. So the font, uh, specifically the Adafruit display label, I think, library is better than ever. And it was nice to have a chat with Higher Effect late last week. And also, thanks for coming into that discussion about the ESP32S2 ADC limitations. Uh, Was that Sunday or Saturday? And Ketney and I also had a very nice chat um, last week. And finally, Scott, thank you for knowing exactly the right answer to that light sleep problem that I had on ESP32 S2. That fix rolled into the I2S uh, PR that I've been working on and fixed the problems I was seeing. And uh, Zoltan, you're welcome anytime. And it is super nice to see you.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, next up, we have Jerry.
9: Yeah, hello. Uh, so uh, mostly a group hug to everybody. Uh, and uh, just acknowledging this site is certainly a welcome refuge from the news in the U.S. this week. Appreciated it. Needed it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Jerry. All cool. right. Uh, next up, we have Katney.
1: Hi. So first up, I have a hug report for Neradoc on Discord for providing patient assistance and Persevering through a difficult support issue. Um, there was someone struggling to install CircuitPython, um, and they were super patient with them and stuck with them for uh, a very long time, um, helping get them set up. I have a hug report for C. Grover for sticking through some PR issues. Uh, to Foamy Guy for so much PR testing. Um, your name is popping up constantly in my email, and that's great to see uh to jeff for a lovely chat um and just something for everyone please know that if you need to step away for any reason we will support you and we will be here when you're ready to return never feel like you're letting us down by stepping away regardless of what you're involved with if you feel like you can let us know ahead of time we can always find time for a quick chat but it's entirely okay if you don't feel like you can let anyone know just know that we might try to check in on you at some point which is absolutely okay to ignore Um, And then group hugs to all. I think we all need it.
0: Awesome, thank you, Katni. All right, next up we have notes from Kevin Thomas, who says a group hug. And now for Maker Melissa.
2: Hello. So I want to give a hug first to Fumi Guy for testing my big PyPortal refactoring PR. Uh, One for to Jeff. Uh, for looking into the Raspberry Pi display issues. One to Jerry in for testing out the uh, MicroPython with Blinka and group hugs to everyone else. Thanks, Melissa.
0: All right, next up we have notes from Mark, who says, uh hug report to Jeff Epler for doing a review of my draft PR and a group hug. And uh, next up we have a, from MicroDev, uh, we have a a group hug to the community. And lastly, we have uh, notes from Mr. Certainly, who says, hug report to Tanu for an excellent deep dive on Friday. Uh, hug report to Jerry N. for handling a handful of moderation issues and a group hug. With that, that's hug reports. Thank you all for uh, coming along on the this uh, <laughs> series of hugs, I guess I would say. Uh, next up we have another round robin it's status updates uh status updates is a chance for us to spend a minute or two talking about what we've been working on in the past week and what we plan on working on in the coming week it's a good way for us to stay in sync on what all is going on and then ha- ha- like offer up our advice or or volunteer to help somebody with the work that they're doing so uh it's good for us to stay on the same page so let me start here. Um, yeah, I guess I should say it's a round robin done like lurking as the last time as well. So for this week, uh, I'm doing more CircuitPython twenty twenty one stuff, including my uh, my own hopefully. Um, although maybe that'll slip to next week. We'll see. I've got lots and odds of n en- odds and ends. Uh, all those PRs to review in particular. Uh, I'm streaming on Friday like I did last week as well and I had this weird idea this weekend of basic Python is kind of what I'm thinking about it it's uh, a, an example of where you edit Python code as if it were basic Python or like basic code um, so it's very weird but it's it's me thinking about what CircuitPython would be on the Pi 400 which is like the Raspberry Pi in a keyboard thing um, like how do you switch between editing code and running code is a question that I think is very interesting. And I was watching some retro streams about basic and it finally clicked to me how basic worked, which i had never actually done it in that. I've never done basic like in a terminal like that or like Commodore 64 style. So the idea that you use commands to edit like what your program in memory is, is really interesting. So I was experimenting with, um inheriting the editing side of basic, but not the language itself. Um, so you can see I whipped up like a 30, it's like 30 lines of Python to basically, uh, do that just in regular Python on the desktop. But, uh, in theory we could actually make circuit Python do that as well. If that's, if that's an interesting route for us to go. So, uh, yeah, lots of brainstorming, uh, between that and circuit Python 21, which is very exciting. Um, we're going to have a really cool year, I think. Um, So keep an eye on all those CircuitPython 2021 posts And if you haven't done yours, please, please, please do it Uh, That would be awesome And uh, email CircuitPython2021 at Adafruit.com That goes to me and Phil and we'll blog it up and get the word out So uh, again, please do that if you haven't planned on it Uh, I think we're shooting to kind of wrap it all up by Wednesday of next week So about a week and a half from now And uh, with that, let's kick it over to TG Techie
3: That sounds like some really cool stuff. Um, so over the past week or two, um, I've completed, uh, the next alpha beta, whatever you want to call it, version of a UI framework that'll work on circuit Python and hopefully the desktop too. Um, and I've got it working on a PI portal and a custom watch, uh, circuit board and enclosure. Um, additionally I took that and made a on-device hex mixer so you can see what hex colors look like on a pi portal um, and i also revised a board definition uh, for the watch which fixes some errors and adds a few updates and corrections um and what i have to do over the next week is put the core um the standard library for the gui framework and the hex mixer up on GitHub so anyone can test it out. Or, you know, just to have it there for posterity. Um, and to pull the final revision quote unquote of the board definition into CircuitPython main, or pull it into the main. Um, and update the CircuitPython website. And I'm saying it here now so that I have to do it. I have to do both of those together. Um and yeah. That should awesome. be. Up.
0: Yeah, that demo looked cool. It was, like, surprisingly responsive, I think.
3: I, right? I was not expecting that, even with using Display.io under the hood. It was <laughs> a pleasant surprise. Thank <laughs> you for implementing Display.io.
0: hmm I know it's complicated, but I think it is uh, pretty powerful.
3: It's, it's just, really great.
0: It's just not simple to use, unfortunately.
3: But hopefully, this framework makes it simpler to use. Uh,
0: totally, and thank you for doing that. I know you've spent a lot of time thinking about GUI stuff.
3: Uh, okay. Anything to help the community? Awesome.
0: Okay, let's go to V923Z.
4: Uh, thanks, Scott. So in the past uh, several weeks, I um, I have been working um, um, behind the scenes, so to speak. Um, I added a, a function to MicroLab which basically allows you to um, to grab uh, the buffer of of anything that has has a buffer, so you can pipe uh, data from an ADC directly into a, an, an array without uh, any any hassle. Um, uh, on top of that, I I reorganized the the code a bit um, in the sense that now there's a <clears throat> completely numpy compatible interface so you can do something like this i i post this in the um text channel um so basically it means that um a piece of code should run should be able to run um on on micro python or, or uh circuit well that's that's up for discussion but in any case the the um Only thing you have to do is is do the imports properly. And after that, the the interface is um, NumPy or or SciPy compatible. A couple of people asked for that. Um, I don't know what your your, um, um, uh, standpoint is um, regarding um, uh, submodules. We can talk about that later. Um, And in the coming week, I would like to recover the... Python version with the reorganized code. And then uh, after that, update the docs. And if I am done with that, I, I, I think I, I will go for for a release of 2.1. So that's, that's from me for this week. Awesome. Thank you for the update.
0: All right. Uh, circling around, uh, next up, we have Charles. Are you speaking, Charles? We're just lurking. I see notes there. I think you were lurking prior, so I'll read these off. I
10: changed my mind. I changed my mind. Okay, go ahead, Charles. No, I'm working. Uh, basically, I'm still working on a, uh, a what I call an octave module uh, modular keyboard. In other words, you build one octave of keys and then you chain them together mm-hmm. by I2C or uh, SPI I haven't decided which one yet but the one of the things I was wondering about is is anybody going to do something with the um, uh, I forget what the is It's one of the TAC uh, devices uh, for multiplexing multiplexing uh, I2C buses uh, I'll I'll i ask that in the in the I'll put it in the weeds in item to ask the question the question officially. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Charles. All right. Next up, we have Dan.
5: Okay. So, uh, as you know, I made a release the six point one point zero RC.0 dot zero release last week. Uh, we know of a bunch of problems, and so there'll be an RC dot one probably in the next day or two, after a whole bunch of pull requests get merged. Um, I kind of went on a tear, fixing a bunch of um, issues that were detected in RC0 or had been detected previously. So there were two time.sleep bugs. One was actually in the sleep code, but another one was accidentally breaking the sleep code because a static variable in RAM that the sleep code uses happened to be right after a um, tiny USB buffer that was in memory, and that buffer was overrunning, and so right smashing stuff in the t- sleep code um, variable. And so it turned out there were two different bugs that were overriding that. Mm-hmm. And uh, with help of TAC, uh, we fixed both of those, and that so that's that'll be. Um, and some people tested it. Thank you very much. Another thing, there's been a bug for a while about um, PWM out was not working properly on certain pins, and it turned out that was just a kind of a logic error in, in PWM out uh, channel selection in the DAC channel selection. And finally, there were some regressions in BLE um, timeout and other time-related parameter setting, and I realized they had to do with Express passing things in as floats, and then they get converted internally to weird units that NRF uses that are integers. And I realized that I could just round them up as floats, and then everything would work fine. And so I did that. And then finally, um, Unexpected Maker noticed on their um, Feather S2 board that the power consumption on, during deep sleep was much higher than they expected, and it turned out that there was something to do in touch alarm that it, touch alarms are always being enabled even when not in use or the touch alarm capability. And so, um, I, um, Microdev turned that off, and now we're sort of back to good, in fact, even slightly better. I don't know why we'll have to figure that out. Uh, that uh, we're back to like 230 uh, microamps when we're just doing time alarms, so there'll be. I mean, I'm going to continue to look at the bugs, but I think we've hit most of the ones that would really be blockers for a six one oh final release. Okay.
0: Awesome. Great news, Dan. Thanks. All right. Next up, we have notes from David Glab, who... I'm taking the time code and I can't talk. Uh, has a bunch of Twitter links, uh, which, <laughs> no worries. Uh, some really interesting things just re- reading these off. So, first, uh, tested the UV index sensor, the Vemel 6075, with a nail lamp. Uh, next, a proof of concept of Tetris on the Quico, which is a uh, matrix portal 32 by 64 controlled by Wiimote. Uh, next, we have a made a step stepper counter proof of concept with a clue. Uh, made a workout tool with the Buzz PlayStation 2 controller. And uh, acquisitions for future projects. Uh, one Wii U Draw t- tablet for five pounds. Plan to use that in I2C, Arduino, or CircuitPython, and with a Blue Pad 32, which is an airlift replacement firmware that will ha- I will have to compile myself. And then eight Xiaomi uh, BLE thermometers, $4. Uh, I don't know if it's a piece or for all eight, with the LYWSD03MMC. Plan to monitor every room and alarm if temperature is too high at the wrong time. Uh, $4 a piece. Buzz is not with CircuitPython, but Raspberry Pi. Ah, Thank you, David. Uh, all right, next up is FoamyGuy.
2: All
6: right, thanks, Scott. Um, last week, I updated my display frame library to allow you to set where the label will go. Uh, originally, it was always just centered in the top. Um, and now you can put it on either the top or bottom, although the bottom looks weird, uh, and you can have it in the left, right, or center, so you get choices on how to set it up. Um, I tested out the portal base and related uh, PRs, PyPortal, um, and one for MagTag, or I, I think I tested the portal base one on the MagTag. Um, I wrapped up the ascender and descender update in the in the display text label, uh, like Jeff had mentioned. Um, I tested the message pack PR and. Uh, um pushed a commit to disable that on some of the smaller builds so that it would go back to passing PA, uh, CI. I started working on the my layouts library. Um, specifically, I was working on things like uh, nesting the, the fancy layouts together. So I have a linear layout that will line things up uh, in a line, either horizontal or vertical. And I was working on making it so that you can nest one inside the other uh, and build up a more complex interface with that. So next week... Um, I'm going to work, I'm going to keep going on that. I'm trying to finish that off, and then I'm going to use it um, as kind of the first test case to design uh, or to work on a design that's a uh, UI for a trivia game. And I'm going to make it kind of inspired by the, the Trivial Pursuit uh, card, the kind of iconic card with the different colors and stuff on it. So I think that'll be cool. Um, next week, I want to look into... Uh, Blink-a-Display.io, I did a little bit of experimentation with uh, making some games through that over the weekend. And I got to try to see if we can get better performance. Uh, I know one thing um, that will help is probably implementing the dirty rectangle tracking. So I'll try to look into that. I don't know if I know enough um, to actually help out too much, but I'm going to dig into it and see see what's there and see what I can do. And then lastly, I want to do uh, the update to the bitmap label. Um, so the same update that we just did for label, but uh, this one in the bitmap label works a little bit differently under the hood. Uh, but it will make it use the ascenders and descenders as well. That's what I got for this week. Thanks.
0: Thanks for me, Guy. All right, uh, next up we have higher effects.
6: righty,
7: so uh, this past week, uh, I've been stuck on the Socket API. Um, and this coming week, I will also be stuck on the Socket API. Um, but uh, in terms of other stuff that's been going on, um, I've been working on, uh, I finished up my guide last week for the MAGTAG. Um, and uh, as uh, over the weekend, we talked a little bit about the analog limits on the ESP32-S2, which is kind of a documentation issue on their end, um, where there's some, some kind of weird incompatibilities between the ESP32 and the ESP32-S2 uh, in terms of how analog reads behave. So that's probably going to be a, kind of a ticket that needs to go in to to resolve that. Um, but in terms of all this annoying socket stuff, it's it's mostly just been uh, trying to get the elements of it to not block, um, which requires some use of LWIP or this library called the um, LWIP socket API. Um, and uh, the documentation for it is really more of like a reference for people who are already very good at socket programming. So um I'm still slugging on it, but um, we'll see if we can make more progress this week. Um, and uh, in the same vein, uh, I've been trying to pin down uh, the error behavior beh- behavior in C Python, so we can try and line up uh, Circuit Python's the errors that are returned by our Circuit Python functions to what happens in C Python. Um, unfortunately, the Socket API in C Python has a lot of abstraction uh, when it comes to error declarations. Like some of the errors go through like. Two different macros, you know, that are that are each redefining it as a kind of a new name. Um, there's a whole kind of complicated system for how it handles timeouts. So that's remained a little bit inscrutable and I'm still trying to figure out a way to just kind of create a table of errors, like this is what error should be thrown in this case. So if anybody is is um, has any familiarity with that system and 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 trying to come up with those, line up the errors to the behavior they should be throwing errors for. Um, that would be very useful. I'd love to hear others' input if uh, if they have it. So, But that's it for me.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Hirefax. All right. Uh, Hugo and Jason are lurking, so we'll go to Jeff.
8: Hello. You'll have to give me a second to get the notes back up, because I was just uh, typing in the issue that I didn't on the weekend about our documentation on analog reference voltage um, because okay. of discussion which just uh, concluded mm-hmm. anyway uh last week i worked more on the font converter program than expected uh but that's in a pretty good place now it converts all but two of the fonts that are in the uh, learn repo and those two fonts are both a little weird and so we're just going to kind of leave that where it stands if you try it and if you have trouble or if it works for you we always love to hear feedback Uh, Anyway, then on Thursday and Friday, I finally made good progress on the I2S out on ESP32-S2. Got that uh, pull request into a condition where I asked for fresh reviews, posted up some new um, example code. It's playing raw files and WAV files pretty well. Um, So we would love to have a tester who could give us feedback on that PR. And I think it was just last week that I wrote my CircuitPython 2021 document, but maybe I've already missed a week of of, uh, <laughs> of uh, 2021, because it's going to be one of those years again. Um, anyway, this week, uh, the first thing that I started by doing today was um, made a few changes so that we could build audio MP3 on the ESP32 S2. So there are some assembly optimizations for ARM CPUs that don't exist on extensa. You can build without them, but it falls back to some plain C code for stuff that, at least in the late 1990s, it was important to optimize an assembler. Uh, so it works, but uh, a 128 kilobit MP3, which is kind of the the standard CD quality, uh, it stutters. There's not enough CPU to play it back. But when you go down to 32 kilobits and monophonic audio, it does play. So, uh, you know, I was thrilled to have my ESP32 playing Ion NPI at me on a loop for about an hour because mm-hmm. I can't get enough of that. Uh, but you did have to down convert it to a lower audio fidelity. And so due to those limitations, I don't think that we're going to try and add that right now. But we know as a baseline that um, you know our code does work. It doesn't work well enough. And we'll look at our options again sometime in the future um related to a learn project guide that i did a couple of weeks ago uh, with the braincraft hat we've learned that some update from raspberry pi operating system um is breaking the braincraft hat both on the display and on the um i2s audio out so that's not great uh but uh Lamore asked me to take a look at that i have some linux expertise with working with apt and those things that may come in handy um, don't know what the resolution of that will be for sure but um putting in some time on that um once that's done another thing on my list although i think we kind of kicked that down the road is to look at the adafruit CircuitPython sd library to see if there are any issues that we can fix or close and uh, finally a quick call for help if somebody has a cool microlab demo that uses display io but doesn't use audio please send me a note in the text chat um we we would like to spotlight something along those lines and show what CircuitPython can do. And anyway, that's what I've got. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jeff. All right, next up is Jerry.
9: Hello. Yeah, I got off to a good start and then lost most of the week after Wednesday due to doom scrolling. So, not don't feel very productive this week. Um, I did get a, a PR in um, for the Unexpected Maker Feather S2. Um, Using the dot star as a, as a status um, display. So mostly, I needed it to do some testing. That I was trying to do with the deep sleep, and it's really nice to have the have that status display in there. So uh, that that review that PR is still in review, um, and see where that goes. Um, I did a bunch of experimenting along with the deep sleep using time alarms. That's been working really well. I've had a bunch of uh, you know, temperature and humidity sensors running um and sending data to AIO and you know and and the battery life it's just been great so uh really really nice to see that and so I started playing with pin alarm a little bit and uh it's all very early testing and and um I have a question bring up in the weeds about that but um um so far it's uh, you know having some fun with that and then I, I also tried last week there it had always been mentioned that Blinka was originally set up to work on MicroPython. And I got to thinking about that, and I'd never actually seen it happen. So I figured I'd try it. And um, at least in my experience, it it certainly doesn't work out of the box. (laughs) And uh, the only board I have that's supported natively out of it is uh, an ESP8266. And um, with a lot of struggling, I was able at least to get it to the point of importing boards without crashing. But that's about as far as I got. And uh, there are a lot of issues to work through. Um, so I'll be looking into that more, and that some of it may just be memory issues on the, on the ESP8266. Uh, so it might be worth trying to uh, do a add board support for the ESP32. But uh, all that's still very new to me, so deep into exploring. And um, some of my plans for next week are to continue with the pin alarm testing. I've been doing. One of my goal is is to is to Take a an RFM9x board and attach it to an ESP32, and um, allow a you know a, a signal a, 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 you know a, just a button or a press or a door opening or something like that to wake up and send a message. So I see how see if I can get that together, and then I'll continue playing with the Blinka stuff uh, as time allows. Um, also, I just did run into something. And maybe Jeff's already on this for the for the BrainCraft. Um, that the, the new latest kernel updates certainly are causing a bunch of problems. Uh, also ran into some problems on a Pi Zero W using, when I updated everything, um, the camera's still working fine, but if you try and use things like Raspi Still, they're, they're all having lots of issues. So just a heads up to people who are updating.
8: Yeah, they've had uh, three kernel updates in the last week or since the 4th. So I think some things went in which turned out to be unstable, and I really hope they get them sorted out soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it looks like maybe there's kind of a general problem with uh, the way uh, the Adafruit stuff is doing TFT displays, which is a little bit frustrating. But we'll get it worked out.
9: Yeah, on the BrainCraft, it, it sort of if I reinstall, reboot, sometimes it actually comes up and actually will work for Raspi Still. But then if I run the, the TensorFlow demo, it just kills it. The TensorFlow demo works, but then when I exit it, things fall apart. And if I reboot a couple of times and cross my fingers, and maybe it sometimes comes up, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very, very unstable.
0: All right. Thank you, Jeff and Jerry. Yep. Next up, we have Katney.
1: Hello. So last week, uh, started. A library PR issue sweep um, was able to tag a few people, um, alphabetically speaking, some of the beginning ones and some of the end ones because I flaked and went backwards partway through. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are working on a library PR and you haven't heard from folks, um, as I stated earlier, please feel free to uh, ping somebody. Um, We'll do our best to get to it. There's obviously a lot going on right now. Um, but we want to make sure that we're not losing PRs. Um, I reorganized the assets in the newsletter repo for 2020. Um, I did the same thing last year. Uh, so Anne didn't have to deal with it, which is to, we, we put all the assets for every newsletter in a folder and it was there. The each year is uh, all the folders are, um, sort of top level in the assets folder. And so every year we want to put them into a, your folder to start over, and uh, so I took care of that. Um, it's a huge, huge repository, um, so there's that took a while uh, in terms of get doing its thing. It didn't take me a long time, but it took get a long time. <laughs> um, I fixed up a couple of things in a guides based on, um, based on guide feedback. Uh, the uh, Circuit Python, Circuit yeah, Circuit Python Essentials guide um, starts with a or no, the Welcome to Circuit Python guide rather starts with a blink demo. Which doesn't work on Cutie Pie, and there were a lot of complaints about how folks couldn't um, couldn't follow along. And uh, the reason it doesn't work on Cutie Pie is Cutie Pie doesn't have a little red or, in the case of the It'sy NRF, blue LED that's controllable um, on D13 or some other digital pin. Um, it only has the onboard NeoPixel. Um, so I wrote a quick uh, NeoPixel demo because. The LED code is not the important part of the code for, the, for that page. We only change the timing. Um, so that was, it's easy enough to just use the NeoPixel blank code and, and follow along. So I added that. Um, and hopefully that alleviates uh, frustration for folks who are getting started with CircuitPython and CutiePy. Um, and I started on a new secret project uh, that I can't talk about. So <laughs> this week, um, I'm finishing up two recently published guides, uh, which is to say there was two small fixes needed. The Metro ESP32 S2. Um, I put a uh, later the the current revision of it that is in the shop is RevB. And I posted the wrong um schematic and fab print to the downloads page. That's already been fixed. And then also um we just released the we nunchuck um breakout adapter guide. And there was not a wiring diagram for Arduino. So I'm quickly uh getting those taken care of and then continuing on my secret project i know it is it is mean to mention but i mean short of adding those two small fixes which were added later i really would have had literally i'm doing nothing this week um so (laughs) mention it i did um (laughs) we'll be able to talk about it soon enough but anyway uh that's what i'm up to
0: all right next up we have melissa
2: Hello. Last week, I was uh, catching up on issues and PRs from being gone and some other tech debt. I picked up and completed a circuitpython.org PR that you worked on, Scott, that oh, he had yeah. started. Hug report online. for
0: finishing that for me, by the way. Thank oh,
2: you're me. welcome. Uh, I did some major refactoring on the PyPortal library to use PyPortal base and... Um, that leads me to this week, which is I need to test that out uh some more. Uh so far I it's working pretty solidly on existing code. I was my goal is to make it so it worked on all the other existing PyPortal code without having to change anything. Uh let's see, I moved some of the web based project or I want to move one of the some of the web based projects from glitch to GitHub. I'm going to look into the issues reg- related to the Raspberry Pi and the display problems that arose from the kernel update. I need to write my CircuitPython 2021 post. And I'd like to work on the BlinkUp Portal refactor, uh, which should be much easier than the Pi Portal one because a lot of it was figuring out some of the intricacies. And I want to look at the group scaling issue with the Blink of I/O if there's time. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, next up, we have notes from Mark, who just had to go to a meeting. Um, Mark says, last week submitted a draft PR of fixed bus device in core. Uh, this week we'll submit com- uh, commit to re-enable it in the PR and ask for, f- submit commit to re-enable it in the PR and ask for further review. Uh, And next up, we have notes from MicroDev. MicroDev says, uh, Last week, took a break from working on software and designed a new CircuitPython-compatible dev board based on the ESP32S2 uh, with USB power delivery. Uh, I should click that, too, because I don't know if I follow them. Uh, Next Sorry, microdev says this week uh, Back to working on software Fixed a couple of touch alarm bugs And we'll send the dev board for fabrication Uh, Thank you both (laughs) Uh, And that's it Uh, No notes from Mr. Certainly So we are set with status updates Thank you (laughs) Thank you all (laughs) Uh, I'm laughing because you both deleted it too Um, Next up we have In the weeds Um In the Weeds is a section for us to uh, talk about um, anything that we care to talk about. Um, This is meant to be a free-form, potentially long section. Uh, So the way that it works is that uh, folks put topics, their name and the topic in the the weeds, and then we'll just go to them. So uh, if you have anything, there's a couple queued up. So if you have more, uh, please add it there. Otherwise, we'll just uh, get going here. Uh, starting with TG Techie. Uh,
3: so I have two questions. One of which might not be for in the weeds. Um, I was playing around with stack size cause mm-hmm. with the code I'm writing, I tend to call a lot of deep functions, not recursively, but, um, and when playing around with stack sizes, I went from like the standard to double and then to like quadruple.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and I was only ever able to get a maximum of a hundred and ten recursive calls uh when like writing a quick script to test how deep it'll go. Is there a max PyStack stack size uh
0: There is a fixed size that is set, but m- increasing it should increase the number of calls you can do
3: okay. Um, I was not seeing behavior that matched that. I had two different stack sizes compiled into different firmwares. and was getting the same result.
0: Stack size or pi stack size? Because there is a C stack pi as well. Pi stack
3: size. Hmm. Pi stack size. I can double check I'm setting the right thing in the config. It's the circuit pi underscore pi stack underscore size define.
0: That sounds right. Did you clean between them?
3: Uh, yes, I did. Hmm. Multiple times.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's what I would expect it to be, but uh, there's possible there's some other limit.
3: Okay. I can go through and do some more investigations and come back. There is also a a C
0: stack, so it's possible you're hitting that too. Oh, okay. I think the way that we have it set up right now, function calls probably also increase the C stack, but I could be wrong. Um it's a bit weird. Okay. We enabled the PyStack because it prevented large allocations on the heap. <laughs>
3: um <laughs> and it just statically made the Python stack? Right, statically so allocated?
0: Yeah, so the Python stack is like statically allocated. Yep.
3: Okay. Um Thank you. I can't wait to learn more about how that works under the hood. <laughs> and my last question is, is there a standardized library format for libraries that depend on non circuit Python specific code? I was looking around and I couldn't find any libraries that link out to like another repo or another.
0: What's, what's your dependency?
3: Um, the software I'm writing has a core and then a couple different standard libraries for different platforms. And the core will be hosted in a separate repo. Right. Or I could just copy and paste it in.
0: Um
3: I'm hesitant to do the first one, uh, the second one, but
0: No, I wouldn't copy and paste it in. Like you could just treat it as a dependency in the setup.py for when it's installed via pip and then I think it goes in requirements for a circuit python.
1: requirements.txt, yes. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Katni. Thank you. Um uh
9: that's that's all.
0: OK, next up is
1: Jerry.
9: Yeah, um, so I've been playing with the pin alarm, and again, pretty naively playing with it. I, what I did was I looked in the, the PR where you put it in, mm-hmm. and um, there was an example you had. And so I sort of cut and pasted that and started playing with it. So, And and things are actually working, working pretty well. But I noticed that if I create a pin alarm, as I described there, mm-hmm. um, on, on like pin io7 and um and then i so what i do is i i have a, a button that i can ground the pin with or um um just a jumper mm-hmm. and um so if with the with it being pulled high when it turns on it it just goes to sleep and then when you ground the pin it wakes up and that works um what i noticed is if you ground the pin and hold it grounded then it doesn't go back to sleep um it sort of it says i'm getting ready to go to sleep and it sits there and waits until you release the ground till you let it float again Mm-hmm. Is that expected? And is that is that what it should do? Okay. I couldn't look into the code. I couldn't see why it was doing that. But
0: uh, re- yes, uh, I don't think I removed that loop.
9: Was it, okay, I said it wasn't a loop obvious to me, but uh, but but as long as that's normal, that's that's fine.
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, whether that's the way it should work or not is a separate question, and one that I'm not convinced either way. Um, I think we talked about doing like edge triggering and so edge triggering would require it to be, I guess, okay, I, I so... like, what would you expect if, if you try to go to sleep and say, wake up when it's low and it's already low, it should just wake yeah, right, back right back, back up again. So that makes,
9: that makes perfect sense. I guess, no, it, so it, it was just, it wasn't obvious to me in the code where it was doing it, but uh, maybe I just wasn't, wasn't reading it.
0: But you're saying quickly. it waits, right? So to yeah, make it wake it, it, right back it up. It waits
9: until it goes till it's not no longer low before it actually goes to sleep.
0: Right. I can and, and I think find that's perfectly it. Fine.
9: what's
0: that I can find it if we think the right thing to do is I just wake it, right it, back it, up.
9: Uh well no, probably not. I, I think it I think it's actually working right. Um and maybe it, I, there's no reason why it shouldn't have. But I guess uh I, I was just curious. <laughs> um wasn't you really sure what it should do because I guess it really depends on the switch on how you on how you're triggering it
0: right, and that's kind um, of that's how, really I too, like, how I feel too is like I don't know if that's actually, if the, that's right actually the right thing to do or
9: not, okay um well but at least but at least it's doing what you expected to do and I'll look look at the code again to see if I can figure out where that loop was, but yeah. as long as it it was as expected um yeah I had some really funny behaviors when I first tried it, but it turns out I think it was because I had another board plugged in and there were some conflicts on the pins I was using so hmm. that, that that it's not very happy to do that oh, um looks like Michael okay found it so and and the, it, I know in the in the code it said um there is something about edge triggering i just haven't haven't tried that yet um but oh there uh okay um Okay, I just hadn't, hadn't dug far enough into the code to, to find that. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I'm open yeah, to removing it if think it you think it, the right, thing, thing, think is the right thing, thing is to
9: remove it. Um, yeah, no, certainly not at this point. Um, I just wanted to make sure it was doing what I what I thought it should what what it was expected to do. And as you mentioned, it it may not make sense to do. It. It's not clear what it should do if it's if it's still low. So. Okay, right. good. But otherwise, uh, it's kind of fun to play with.
0: Awesome, thanks, Jerry. Awesome, thanks, Jerry. Okay. Okay, next up we have V923Z.
4: Okay, thanks, Scott. I'll keep it short. Uh, this is a recurring question of mine. Um, do you still want to keep the submodules um, instead of NumPy, SciPy compatible code? So um I think I, I, I can give two reasons why why not to do so. Um one is that um um you could combine the um the the um Raspberry Pi and CircuitPython tutorials um if you if you opted for numpy compatibility. And the second um is um uh, second reason is that you you, you keep saying that um by importing or by not being able to import something, you can catch errors quite early in the code, uh, which is true. but on the other hand, since not all um keyword arguments are uh, uh, implemented, um, you can still run into a problem that you can import a function or you can import a submodule, thinking that your function is going to work, and then later. Down the road, um, you find out that that it's not the case because because a particular keyword argument, which is which is in C Python, is not implemented. So um, I, I just wanted to ask you, yes or no, whether um, um, you want to keep submodules for for Circuit Python or or is NumPy SciPy okay with you?
0: Well, i I don't see those two things as mutually exclusive. Like, my understanding is still that you could have a Python layer that just imports all the submodules and then gives you a NumPy,
4: SciPy compatible f- module. Um. Pff, yes, but then then you need this layer. Um, and what what I'm trying to say is that with with the with the present implementation, you can. You can do it in two lines. You right. you do the imports as I demonstrated, and then then you are done. Um, but on the other hand, if you if you say that you want to keep it, that's fine with me. I I, I just wanted to make sure before releasing um, anything that um, that that's what you want. I still think
0: smaller submodules okay. is the right to, way to go. But if Jeff disagrees with me, I'll let you and Jeff. That. I,
5: my, my my feeling is that we didn't see i think we originally thought that there might be cases where we would want to only compile in a certain like just the f f t stuff or something that mm. hasn't really happened right and I think that it in terms of it would be it, i think the compatibility is better than this particular stand about. Things. If we wanted to show that something wasn't implemented, we could always raise I mean you could raise it at runtime in various ways. It just it just doesn't show up. So I think my feeling is I, I think I would like to kind of um in the interest of compatibility, I would prefer what you're saying. So we okay. have other modules that don't implement everything that's in the C Python equivalent, like in time or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, it's okay, it's okay with me. Um, uh, but I, and you can ask Jeff. Also. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who
4: to... actually is calling the shots here. So uh, <laughs> it might be okay with you, but perhaps it's not okay with everyone. So um...
3: yeah,
8: I was going to make the same observation as Dan. You know, we kept open um, this uh, if we had wanted to subset. Uh, Microlab on some of our boards, we would have taken advantage of the particular organization that we asked you for, uh-huh. uh, but as Dan points out, we haven 't done that it wasn't it it wasn 't part of our needs mm-hmm. um, and it 's hard to predict the future it 's much harder than predicting the past, right. but um, you know if that 's still going to be the case, then we should probably flex uh, and and change what we 're asking for. The other aspect of this is um, that would be a breaking change for existing code. So we would want to do that uh, when we are making a major release like CircuitPython 7. Um, Mm -hmm. So this isn't something that um, I would dare just kind of make the pull request during the meeting like I did for 161, which was great uh, because that was small and you you can feel confident about it. But Mm -hmm. uh, the timescale on which we could take that change is CircuitPython 7, which is kind of at an indefinite point in the future, even if we've changed our mind about what it is that we want and, and that is going to best serve our users. And compatibility with desktop Python, compatibility with MicroPython, those are both good things. And I, yeah, and the other I, thing where we were setting this foundation to, oh, let's disable FFT or let's enable only FFT, we have discovered that we didn't need that yet. And it's been a year. I, I'm not sure how long it's been. You know, nine right. months. Right, it's almost a year, right?
4: Um, well, um, this this doesn't really change too much for me because the, the implementation of the functions is is what it is. It's only the binding. Um, mm-hmm. What you bind uh, to is is different. So, in in one case you you bind to NumPy, In the other case you bind to the the approx sub or or whatever it is. Um, so it, it just means that there must be then uh, a separate uh, directory for for Circuit Python, where we where we uh, list these bindings uh, that that you ask for, um, and and I can do that. That's that's absolutely no problem. Um, I, I would have to think a little bit about the the documentation, but um, that's that's a minor issue. So if you if you insist, then 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 we can do that. On the other hand, if you say or you in the plural, that um, NumPy compatibility is is a valuable asset, and and you you didn't actually um, make make use of of these these submodules, then then we can get rid of them.
0: I think what yeah. I'm hear- I think what I'm hearing is Jeff and Dan like the idea of compatibility. I like it as well. And the argument that we're really just taking MicroLab all or nothing, and we're okay with that, is fine with me. Um, so I think the conc- the conclusion I draw from this discussion is, let's file an issue for seven. When we do seven, we will switch from the submodules to the all in one, and either MicroLab will be on boards or they will not be on boards, and that's it.
5: Okay.
8: And all I think. Right, um, sorry. Go ahead, Dan.
5: I was just going to say, like, so, and I think I don't think we have to necessarily generate extra work for you now. We can stick with one six one, or you know, if you're going to start making incompatible, if you're going to make NumPy two, I'm I'm sorry, MicroLab two o, which has this new API or something, Mm -hmm. the the NumPy compatible API, we don't have to keep up with that,
4: right? But uh... yeah. As, as as i said it's it's the the two issues are sort of separate so um th- these these are only the bindings um and and we can if if you if you want to we can implement them later uh if if you really need them then then we can we can do that uh, independent of what happens in, in in the other branch because um these are these are just the this is just a, a, the the nomenclature, the, the question of what you call a function or, or where you call it from, which submodule, whether you call it numpy or you call it Aprox or mm-hmm. numerical or whatever it is. Um so um it it's it's not going to break anything in the sense. Um it it certainly requires a bit of extra work, but it's not prohibitive and um if, if you need it, then, then you need it. I, I can accept that. That's, that's absolutely no problem.
5: Well, I would say but that it's on its way out. And so I don't think that you need to, I don't think you should bother to do the extra work. Okay. Right. And I think, I think right. if there are, you know, significant bugs that need to get fixed, they can be backported mm-hmm. to the other. You know, you could start a two O branch and six can keep the compatibility mm-hmm. and if you need to backport things from 2.0 to six. That's great. Or we can have our own fork, Or whatever, you know, if you don't want to deal with it. So uh, I I think, I think, I think also, I think also, I think that there's been a subtle change. When you started uh, MULAB, I think there was less emphasis on compatibility and you made certain shortcuts, which are now a number of people have asked you to make it more compatible with NumPy and you've done so, right? Right.
4: because that stuff. was sensible. That was sensible. So, um, um, yeah. and, and then there were things that I, I actually discovered during the the, the, the development procedure. So, um, right. But I, I think that was that was sensible and that was wise. I mean, uh, uh, insisting on, on compatibility with with NumPy.
5: Yeah. So I think we don't we don't have to keep up to the absolute latest. And if there's something that really needs to be fixed. In the old bindings, we can fix it. And we go to, to 7, we can switch. OK. I, right. I know, so
8: CircuitPython 6, uh-huh. we would stick uh-huh. with NumPy 1.6 or NumPy 1.7. Uh-huh. And we could help make any bug fixes that we saw as critical during you know, CircuitPython 6.1, okay. 6.2. And then when we go to CircuitPython 7, we would pick up Microlab 2.
4: OK. Sounds good. And sorry, Scott. I, I promised that it would be short.
8: No, it's fine. <laughs>
10: okay,
4: thanks a lot. I, a I pass discussion. it on now.
8: All right, well, mine will be short. You really think th- that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering as we were discussing um, the analog in on ESP32S2, why isn't there a voltage property on an analog in object which returns a floating point number scaled according to the reference voltage property? Because it seems very small to code, you know, just uh, probably 20 bytes of Flash plus some new strings. Uh, But it saves people from having to understand why do you multiply by this number and then divide by 65535, which feels kind of magical. It'd be so easy to add. Is there a real reason we don't, or is it just not there? The reason was to have one
0: way to do it, not two. Mm -hmm. And remember, this is like one of the earliest APIs. So one of the philosophies with this core API was not to be user friendly. It was to be the bare minimum of what minimum of what you need and then if we needed user friendliness, we'd put stuff on top of that. Um, so that's why it's not there so we we chose to have precision via not using mm-hmm. floats in exchange for in exchange for yeah. um having one
8: thing and i did notice that the presence board has an analog reference uh, voltage of 0 so this wouldn't work very well to hmm. uh auto scale it well, which is weird like and bug. maybe that's just a bug but uh well the documentation talks about how the reference voltage can be none if it's unknown which sounds like another thing that uh you know was part of like you said being bare minimum right um and yeah, I wouldn't want to take away the value pin with the number because that would break a lot of code. Right. So if this is a, it's not worth it and anybody can learn to, to do the scaling um, and you can explain why, I think that's fine. But uh, yeah, just wanted to ask and see if there was a, a reason and a, a reason to continue. Uh,
0: I also wonder out. if might we might have done that when we didn't have floats at all, but we used floats for oh. reference voltage, so that's not true
5: yeah. I, I think we weren't sure whether we were going to have floats on all the boards, maybe or something so I
0: mean, I do remember that as like something we definitely wanted or very early is like we're just gonna have floats on for for everything I'm yeah so glad but we I, another show.
5: example a a very similar example is that duty cycle in p w m out is a, an integer that you have to scale. And I had argued, there's even a, an issue that maybe is closed now that said I said, can we make it a fraction or have have a fraction, add, have an additional attribute that was fraction.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: But uh, I, we were, felt very squeezed for space. And we thought there would be more stuff layered on top of that. For PWM out, that is true for servos and things like that. So, but I think, I think, would you say, Scott, that it was, we originally thought that these lower level things would Be supplanted by higher level Python libraries, and that, but in fact, the APIs are good enough that people have used are happy with the lower level ones in general. So,
0: um, I mean, I think to some degree they have been supplanted, right? Like, how often do you get a voltage reading directly from analog IO versus actually using like the Circuit Playground Express library? Yeah.
8: Or i squared
0: c. You use bus device, and then the library on top of that.
8: Like, yeah, bus device is clearly one where it made a big difference.
5: Right. Um,
0: so but... I don't. I I see your point, but I just don't think it's all right. Urgent enough. I'll, I'll to treat change. that as
8: a we don't need it, and just just leave it leave it be. Uh, yeah, that's fine.
0: It's kind of like at this point, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right, uh, Charles.
10: Well, I think I might uh you mentioned bus device. Mhm. And I'm having and I want uh I'm having an issue in my head about uh I want to use the uh the uh, multiplex uh the bus multiplexer. Right. You know, for I2C. Mhm. Now, so I think what what I think is there's a timing issue. Do I do I import? Uh, I am. I imagine importing the t, uh, the, uh, the the multiplexer. Mm-hmm. Importing bus I O right, but mm-hmm. the how do I how does the bus I O know which which what the multiplexer be setting for a particular object is or do i have to keep track of that myself you see what i'm trying to say right
0: so you, i think what you have to think about is that the i squared or the the tca is basically giving you multiple i squared c buses that's correct and so you have to manage the separate bus objects
10: uh for everything okay so what i what would i do i would i would set the t- I would set the, uh, I would instantiate the, uh, the uh, multiplexer first. Right. Then set the multiplexer to point to the bus that I want the object to be on and then instantiate the object. Well, you,
0: you get the... So, so there's actually... If you look in the library, there's two objects, right? There's TCA blah, 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 and then there's TCA channel. And, the, ah, okay. and it's the TCA channel object that is the thing that acts like an i squared c bus. Okay. Uh, so you get... That you confused me.
10: Yeah. Okay, I get it now.
0: Yeah, so you do TCA in your object and then you do the brackets to index into which bus or which channel of the multiplexer you want.
10: And then yeah, that's the they, thing. Uh, Carter just said, use a context manager with the TCA. To, to keep track to help keep track make sure that you as you clear each uh as you clear each uh object you make sure that you clear it from the correct uh port on the t c a on the multiplexer hmm. see i it's the end of the uh, it's not leaving behind uh Memory uh, issues. So you have to make sure you clear all the objects at the end of your program. So that if you, well,
0: I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know what the context manager thing is.
10: Well, it's it's a form. It's what it does. What well, it basically... I know what
0: it is. I don't know how it relates to this library. Because this nah. library does not use it.
10: <laughs> okay, then it's, uh, it, it then it won't work. He just said it might be a bad suggestion. Okay. Like what I'm seeing
0: is that it uses the locking, like like i c buses have try lock and unlock, and what the channel does is that it uses try lock and unlock to set the channel for the multiplexer
10: okay good um, then, it's, then my issue is that my head my head didn't wasn't fully wrapped around the uh the library yet okay right. I gotta look so once the you, so I know what to do right
0: so once you have a channel you should just be able to say you should just be able to pass it in
10: um, mm-hmm. as you that's, would okay, squared c. oh excellent that'll work that makes sense mm-hmm. so you did provide for it excellent thank you cool now my 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 little keyboard project can really uh work more efficiently great yeah. awesome well that's good news see i want see the whole point is to build individual modules of one one octave at a time so that I can build multiple uh keyboards right right yeah I think that's neat. Modular. Yeah. Uh, it's, modular it's basically to be able to create manuals on an uh, or organ manuals easily. Right. Right. In hardware rather than in software. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks, Charles. Have a good day.
0: You too. All right. And I'll take the time code to wrap up. This has been a CircuitPython weekly meeting for January 11th, 2021. Thank you all for this hour and a half of goodness. Uh it's always fun to talk with you. Um this meeting is uh has been recorded and will go up on the Adafruit YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Adafruit along with a bunch of podcasts. Uh this meeting is normally uh Mondays at eleven AM Pacific, two p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server, which you can join by going to the URL a Discord. But t- next week is not at this time. It is a day later than than normal. Uh, Because Monday is a holiday here in the United States. And I will be skiing, so I will not make the meeting either. Um, So uh, check that out. Uh, uh, Realize, if you haven't subscribed to the calendar, I highly recommend it. It's got all of this stuff. Jeff maintains it, so thank you, Jeff, for the calendar. Um, And with that, everybody is welcome to join us uh, in this meeting. We love to have folks lurking. We love to have folks participating. Um, if you haven't done your CircuitPython 2021 yet, please start thinking about it. I think we should shoot for um, Wednesday of next week for us to kind of all have them together. Of course, if there are some that come in after, that's totally cool too. Uh, but yeah, I would love, would love to hear everybody's opinions about uh, what you would like to see or where you would like to CircuitPython to go in the coming year. I think it's going to be very exciting. We had a great 2020 despite everything else. And so I'm excited to see what we can do with a year that hopefully gets better over time. And with that, uh, thank you again, all for joining the meeting. Um, it's been a pleasure. And I will see you next week on Tuesday, not on Monday.
1: Thanks everyone.
3: Have a great week.